Embassy City Church, I love you. I am so grateful to be with you. And as I'm looking into this camera, it might shock you, but we got some people in the building today. Now, I know what you're probably wondering. You're probably wondering, are we open yet? We are not open yet. This is a controlled group. Okay, and so I'm going to have some information in the next couple of weeks about the reopening of Embassy City Church. Until then, we selected a few people that passed some background checks. They're not criminals. They're not going to steal nothing from us, but they're here today. And just let me say how happy I am to have at least some of our family in the building uh, today. Are you all ready for the word of God? Yeah. All right. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. We've been in a series since our fifth anniversary uh, called Prepare for More. And I believe that God is doing something new, fresh and exciting uh, in the life of Embassy City as we turned five. And as we turned five, I believe that there are some things that God wants us to know and prepare for the more that he wants to bring to us, not only corporately, but individually. So uh, uh, last week I did prepare for more part three, and I'm continuing today with prepare for more part four bars. Prepare for more part four. And I talked about uh, Genesis chapter number 12, verse number two, where God gave three promises to Abraham. And now we're going to read Genesis chapter number three. That's right. I'm only preaching one verse this weekend, and it's Genesis chapter number three. How many of you all know the word of God line for line can change your life? I, I just wanted to make sure you understand that. Not even verse for verse, but line for line, word for word, God's word can literally turn your life upside down. And so I want you to uh, read with me in Genesis chapter number 12, verse number three. Here's what it says. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's only one verse. I'm going to read it again. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word before we get into it, shall we? Uh, Holy Spirit, keep preparing us for more. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, uh, I want you to think about this. Uh, uh, God has already given Abraham three promises. In verse uh, number two of chapter number 12, God has already given Abraham three promises. He said that um, I, I'm going to make your name great. He said that uh, I, I am going to uh, be a blessing to you. Uh, and, he, and he promised him that he was going to uh, make him famous. Wouldn't that be enough for you? Like, like if it was only Genesis chapter number two, w would that not be enough? Yeah. That, that I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you famous. And I myself, God, will be a blessing to you. If it was done right there, Abraham's life is set. 
But right after God makes those three promises, he follows it up with three more promises before Abram can even respond to the first three. He said, oh, and by the way, I will bless those who bless you and curse those that treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So I just want to break down this one verse uh, with point number one. Please write this down uh, because I just want to just take my time laying these out for you. Okay, so three points. As you know, I shoot three pointers here. And uh, point number one on this particular uh, verse is. <laughs> Prepare to be blessed. Prepare to be blessed. The first line that he says is a line that you have to receive. I will bless those who bless you. You have to prepare to be blessed. When God gives you a promise, he is faithful to fulfill that promise. But in giving that promise, he ensures that other people are going to recognize the promise that was given to you and they are going to be a blessing to you too. I will bless those who bless you. Now, here's the thing that's amazing about this promise to Abram. Abram, by all intents and purposes, was already a blessed man. Abram was uh, uh, 75 years old. He was very settled in the land that he was in. His father was wealthy, which made him wealthy. He had generational wealth. He was a part of the uh, aristocracy of his day. He was a already a prominent man. Now, now I want you to think it's, 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 it's real different. Uh, 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 there's a real difference between going to somebody that's homeless on the street and saying, I want to give you five million dollars. Huge blessing, right? Oh, my goodness. I had nothing. Now you're giving me something. It's a big difference when you go to a man who already is wealthy, who already has success who already has money in the bank, who is already uh, 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 financially secure by, by, by all of the secular measurements, and God comes up and says, I'm, I'm going to be a blessing to you. I, I know you already have something, but, but what I'm going to give you is going to make what you think you already have irrelevant. Uh, I'm going to put a blessing on you that's different from the blessing that you gave yourself that you earned yourself, that you thought you ascribed to yourself. You know, you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can trace it back to uh, uh, your uh, uh, smarts. You can trace it back to your education. You can trace it back to your will, your way, the decisions you made. God says, I'm going to give you a blessing that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. Says, I'm going to bless you. He says, but uh, I will bless those who bless you. It's one thing to be a blessing to someone who doesn't have anything. It's a whole nother thing to be a blessing to someone that already has something. Now, uh, I got to take my time right here because uh, uh, I have been around a lot of wealthy people, just people that have been successful, 
and, and, and God has blessed them and they recognize that God has blessed them. But but let me tell you what's interesting. Wealthy people are some of the hardest people to be a blessing to. Because of the wealth that they have amassed, they're so used to being a blessing to other people. They're so used to being leaned on by other people. They're so used to being depended on by other people that when someone else just genuinely wants to come along and be a blessing to them, they don't even know how to receive it. They're like, no, 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 I'll do it. And you're like, no, I want to do it. And they almost get in an argument with you for trying to bless them. Uh, I have a a dear friend uh, who uh, 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 her husband played football. And, and he had a lot of success and therefore they they stewarded their money correctly. And so after his career, they still had uh, a, 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 enough money to live comfortably. Here was the interesting thing. We went out to dinner uh, and as we were at dinner, we were just having a great time. It was just me, my wife uh, uh, and this individual. And at the end of the meal, uh, because I get down like this, I just sneakily <laughs> paid for the meal. I, I, I've become. A, a silent assassin when it comes to blessing people. <laughs> I just have an anointing to do it. So what I would do is uh, I would excuse myself to the, uh, from the table and I would say, I need to go to the restroom, but, but, which is the truth. But on my way to the restroom, <laughs> went by the little kitchen, asked for my waitress to come out and said, under no circumstances are you to take any money from this individual. We want to be a blessing to them tonight. And there's a huge incentive for you to do it because I'm going to tip you good. <laughs> And once you tell a waitress that, there is no amount of money that the other party can give. They're like, Mm-mm, this person made me a promise. Okay? So they took, that, they took the uh, card, and I went to the restroom, and I came back. And so, of course, because, they're so, because God has blessed them so much, they're so used to being a blessing, they don't know how to get blessed. So when the bill came, uh, she reached to go pay for it. Uh, but my card was sticking out the top and the long, you know, they cut down a whole tree to put that receipt down. <laughs> and, and it's longer than the actual folder that it came in. And they handed it. And, and, and she said, what did you do? I said, hey, we just wanted to be a blessing to you. And she wept. I, I think I think there's some people that have lived so long having to be a blessing that they forgot what it feels like to be blessed. And here's what God is saying. You're not going to spend the rest of your life with people just uh, with you doing stuff for everybody else and, and me forget about reminding somebody to do something for you. I will bless those that bless you. Now, I just want you to I want you to imagine that that Abraham already has cattle. He already has men servants. He already has women servants. He has already has amassed all the things that back in that day would make him wealthy. But then as he goes places, people are just giving him stuff. You're in our land. Uh, uh, I I like you. Uh, Here's some cattle. Here's some sheep. Here's some land. And and Abraham's like, "I, I don't know what to do with all of this. But it's coming because God made a promise. And when God makes you a promise, the best posture you can put yourself in is simply to receive. Everybody do like this. Everybody do like this. Now, here's a wonderful thing about uh, about this. This is both how you receive and how you release. The best place you can put yourself in 
to receive something from God is the same position you put yourself in to release some things to God. Come on, keep your hands out. I, I, I want you to get this. There, 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 there might be some things that God wants to take off your hands so that he can put something in your hands. I don't know who that's for right there. There might be some things that he wants to take away from you before he brings something to you. And you won't get it like this. You'll only get it like this. So just look up and say, give it to me, Lord. Say it again like you mean it. Give it to me, Lord. All right. So I will bless those that bless you. Good. All right. Point number two. Please write this down. Point number one is prepared to be blessed. Point number two, I hope you can handle it. I don't know if you can or not, but you're going to get it anyway. Prepare to be mistreated. I tried to, I tried to, didn't I try to tell you? I tried to warn you. Prepare to be Mistreated. Now, I know you want to rebuke this point. I know you want to cast this point down. I know you want to, you know, bind the devil up. I didn't say it, though. He said it. Prepare to, and make sure you write it down. Some of y'all got to writing and was like. Some of y'all tried to edit my point. Prepare to be treated good. Devil is a lie. I'm going to be treated good. No, I don't. No, no, no. Write it down just like I said it to you. Prepare to be mistreated. Here's what it says. Uh, I will curse those who treat you with contempt. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. God just gave you a promise. Somebody's not going to like the fact that you went into a covenant with God. Somebody is not going to be pleased with the fact that you are standing on the promises of God. Somebody is going to be upset with the fact that you decided to follow his will and his way. Here's his promise. You don't have to do nothing about it. I'll curse him. You don't have to clap back at him. <laughs> Somebody said do it, Jesus. Somebody in here knows what contempt feels like. But listen, if this is if, if, if this is something that you can receive, then you can understand based on what he said himself. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. That lets you off the hook. You don't have to do nothing about it. You don't have to get vengeance. You don't have to you don't have to fight them. You don't have to put no ugly post on social media. You don't have to be passive aggressive. You know, some people be, listen, it's, it's, it's an election year. You know, everybody's passive aggressive right now. You know what I mean? I don't know what you gonna do, but I don't mess with people that it's like, I just got off the phone with you and I, I'm the one you're talking about. Just say, just say Tim, how come you talking in third person now? Just some people don't like the fact that I'm the only friend you got. You must be talking about me. Only 11 people following you on Instagram. Stop yourself. Okay. Prepare to be mistreated. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. God gives a promise that those people 
that have a problem with the promise I've just established with you, I will deal with them. That lets us off the hook. And here's why God is going to deal with them. Because God is the one that initiated the promise. Here's why you don't have to try to justify the blessings of God in your life. Because you didn't start it. You did not convince God to bless you in this season. God convinced you. And if he's the one that convinced you, then he's the one that will protect you. The only people that are always talking and and fighting with people are people that are trying to defend their own doing. In their own strength. In their own might. Their own way. When God is the one who has initiated the blessing, he is the one that sustains the blessing. And he says, anybody that has a problem with you, I'll deal with it. Even, Even if they've launched an ugly attack against you, even if they said anything negative about you. I, I, I know that, that before you got saved, you would have acted a certain way. You probably would have gave them a piece of your mind. Notice God said, I'm going to curse them, not cuss them. He don't need your help. He don't need your mouth. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Right. Even though it would feel good to your flesh to respond in a way that would make you feel better. Heaven would not be pleased. So you allow God to do it for you. I remember um, uh, I had stepped out on faith uh, to transition uh, from the Potter's house in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I had been there for 13 and a half years and I had so many relationships there and 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 so many uh, people that I had connected with there. But when I stepped out on faith, I actually had some people uh, that were not fond of the decision. And they, they would call me and say, Tim, this is the dumbest movie you've ever made. They actually said that the, that the move was career suicide. Wow. And I said uh, it would be con- I would con- I would actually agree with you and say that it was career suicide. If I thought this was a career move, I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. Yes, this would be career suicide if this was a career move. But I didn't come up with this idea. God came up with this idea. So whatever God has next for me is on God. It's not on me. I don't have to figure out what's next. I don't have to try to land on my feet. I don't have to try to prove that, 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 I, I, that, that I made the right move and things are going to work out for me. God is the one that started it, which means he's going to sustain it, which means he's going to finish it, which means he's going to be the one that gets the glory for it. I didn't make a smart move. I made a God move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel that right there. I don't know who this is for, but you need to be making God moves. You need to be depending on God to be the one leading and guiding you and and not your own savvy, not your manipulation, not what you can control, not what you can get out of the deal. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not what you can get out of the deal. There's some there. There there are some. Yeah, I feel it. Okay, there are some people uh, who have. Um, uh, you have manipulated your way to um, a, a place of influence. 
Now, now I know manipulate sounds like a strong word, but I, but I mean to say you've used your strength and your might. You, you're so used to moving strategically that it's hard for you to fathom moving theologically. What do you mean moving theologically? I mean getting a word from God about what he wants you to do next. I'm talking about getting a word in your heart and then finding a verse in his Bible because God uh, wrote the same way he sounds like. And he sounds like what he wrote, which means if God told you something, it should be backed up by the word. And if it's not backed up by the word, God didn't tell that to you. It's just that simple. Well, I believe God is telling me to, to do this. If I then we that's a big, chunky book. Your Bible, if you got a Bible like mine, mine, I have a study Bible. It's four and a half pounds. There's some density to that book. Okay. now when when I open that book from Genesis to Revelation, if God says something to me that I think I heard in between my ears, then I should see it in between his pages. Because he sounds like what he wrote. And he's never going to go against anything that he wrote in his book from Genesis to Revelation. I know there's some new covenant people that believe in grace and believe that the Old Testament is dead. The Old Testament is not dead. It is very much alive because Jesus is the Torah of the Old Testament. He is the written word of God. Ooh, I wish I could stay there, but I'm a move. Can I just take can I just hit that? Okay, okay. Let, let, let me hit that just for a second, because because there's so many people that think that, you, you know, the Old Testament is an old covenant with old promises and the New Testament. New Testament uh, it, 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 it is with new promises and we don't need to go back to the Old Testament for nothing. Uh, some of y'all might be tripping that I'm even preaching from Genesis. You're like, go to the go to the New Testament. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, well, I get to the Gospels. That's the New Testament. That's not even the New Testament. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John is actually not the New Testament because the testator is alive. Just let that sit for a minute. In a will, the promises are not enacted until the writer of the will dies. So Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all the prophets in the law, is quoting the Old Testament to back Satan up. Go, go back and look at Matthew chapter number four. And what you'll find is for every temptation that Satan brought to Jesus, he quoted his own word in Deuteronomy. Now, if the Old Testament is dead, but Jesus used it. And he's our chief apostle. What are you doing? What are you doing cutting off 39 books of the Old Testament that reveal Christ in its fullness? So Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. And once he dies, the promises enact for the covenant that is fulfilled through his broken body on the cross. What makes it so spectacular is that he just decided not to stay dead. (laughs) That way, if anybody ever wanted to argue with you through the rest of time that this is not what he meant by what he wrote, 
He actually came back himself to say, this is me. I wrote this and I included her in it. I included him in it. So you don't have to fight to defend yourself when God is the one that's giving you a promise. God said, I will handle anybody that has a uh, disagreement or a disappointment in the fact that you decided to follow me. And so all, I remember uh, uh, one of my friends, uh, I'm a, I, I just feel like talking today, like, like real transparent and, 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 and I have a dear friend and I'm not gonna mention his name, uh, but he knows who he is. Um, uh, so, so, so after I left the Potter's house, I had no idea that the Lord was gonna lead me to Gateway. No clue, okay? And, and if you don't know, uh, uh, the Potter's house and Gateway are antithesis of each other in their expression. They both love God, they both believe and stand on the word of God, but their expressions are completely different, okay? Uh, Gateway, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Potter's House is predominantly African-American, south side of Dallas, uh, uh, wildly Pentecostal. If anybody remembers me from, the, from that season, I used to do laps around the church, okay? I was, I was the runner, okay? I would run. So I would get my high step on. And, 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 and you get to Gateway, Gateway in South Lake is predominantly uh, Caucasian because South Lake is 90% white. Uh, but the other campuses are, are more diverse. But South Lake is where God was uh, leading us to. And I had a friend actually tell me uh, once I came on staff at Gateway that um, uh, they don't love you and you're a token there and they're never going to be a blessing to you. Now, I could have got defensive, right? I, I could have got in my feelings and been like, God told me to come here and I'm standing on this word. But I didn't. I prayed. And then I said, Lord, what would you like me to do? And he said, invite him up. Because he doesn't live in the city. He said, invite him up. Invite him to town. And at the time that we were having this back and forth, the Gateway Conference was about to start. So the Gateway Conference was happening and I invited him. I said, I just want you to come up to the conference. And, and if you get up here, if you drive up here, I will pay for your hotel, I'll pay for your lodging, I will pay for everything, because I'm already blessed. Right? When God puts you in a position to be a blessing, he doesn't just want you to bless those that agree with you. So I said, hey man, just get up here and I'll, and I'll make sure that everything's covered. So I put him in a nice hotel. He came up with his father. I only saw him one time during the Gateway Conference. If you've ever been to the Gateway Conference, Gateway Conference is two days and they pack it in. Okay, it's, it's two days, like 12 hours, and you are brain dead by the time it's over. Because he's like, you drink it from a water hose. So, uh, uh, so I only saw him one time. He was sitting on the floor with his dad eating some, some chips and a sandwich in between sessions, okay? And I said, hey man, he was like, oh man, I'm taking a lot in. Da, da, da. So uh, 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 the, a day late, he decided to stay one more day. I paid for that one more day because I meant what I said. Right. And he was driving back uh, to where he's from, him and his father. He said, uh, I have two things to tell you. He said, number one, I need to repent to you. He said, uh, God did something in my heart. And I see why God brought you here. He said, number two. There's been a rift between me and my father for years. And during one of the sessions taught by Pastor Robert, God healed my heart. Nice. 
See, a curse doesn't have to look like what you think it looks like. Curse from God, and you think they're supposed to wind up, you know, paralyzed from the, from the neck down. And, yeah, I bet you won't say nothing about me no more. No, that's not what that is. That's not what that is. This was God going, I know how to, I know how to get this guy. The, the only curse this guy needs is about a half of a humble pie. And I'll make him eat it in two days and burp up the apology. Point number three. <laughs> Bless and honor the Jewish people. Point number one is prepare to be blessed. Point number two is prepare to be mistreated. Point number three, and if you call yourself a resident of Embassy City, you have to get this deep into your soul. Bless and honor the Jewish people. Here's what he says. It's the promise that God gives. All families on earth will be blessed through you. Let me, say, let me tell you something about Abram. Abram is the first Jewish person. Judaism as a practice and Jewish people as a people are not an ethnicity. They are who they are because God made a promise to Abram. Blew on his name, called him Abraham, gave him a son named Isaac and then multiplied those people through Jacob and they became a people. So Abram is the first Jewish person. It is because of the promise to a Jewish person that we as Gentiles get to receive the promise that was given not to us, but to Jewish people. Now, this is very, very important because uh, there is so much replacement theology that is spoken uh, from pulpits in America. Where, where and re all replacement theology means is that promises that were given to Jewish people are people actually replace themselves with the promise that was given to somebody else. So I want you to imagine uh, uh, you being maybe 15, 16 years old and your father and mother says, I promise that when you turn 16 and get your driver's license, I'm going to give you a car. OK. And your friend from across the street decides to he overhears the promise that was given to you. And on their 16th birthday, they show up to your doorstep and ask your dad to give them a car. And they're standing on not a promise that was given to them, but a promise that was given to you. What they're trying to do is replace them with you. Instead of saying, can I have a ride in that car? Because <laughs> I heard your daddy promised you something. Can I just get a ride in the passenger seat? You then try to replace yourself with them. This is what a lot of people in America have done with prophecies that were given to Jewish people. One off the top of my head, Jeremiah 29, 11. Right? Anybody heard Jeremiah 29, 11? Okay, what does it say? Y'all did a good job. For that to be a pop quiz, y'all did actually a really good job, okay? Uh, now, now listen, we can identify with that verse and say amen to that verse and even stand on the promise of that verse. 
but not because that verse was written to us. That verse was written to the Israelites that were coming back into a covenant relationship with God after being in bondage for many, many years. Now, we hear it and we can say amen to it, but let's never mistake the fact that there is a group of people that God went into a covenant with, and because of the blessing that is on them, we got blessed as well. Jesus is Jewish. Now I was. He wasn't a Jewish man and then came up another kind of man from the grave. He's still a Jewish guy. But 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 what makes Jews Jews is the promise that God gave to Abram. What makes us as the church recipients of that promise is that Jesus invited us and actually, according to Paul, engrafted us into that promise because we placed our faith in the same God that Abram did. Not outside of that, but in that we have that promise and we can stand on this thing. So here's the thing. Uh, All families on earth will be blessed through you. Can I just tell you? Uh, From Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, all the major and minor prophets through uh, a virgin named Mary to Jesus. That promise was fulfilled. All the families on earth, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your background, no matter what your culture is, we are all blessed because a Jewish man went to the cross to die for our sins. Now, let me tell you something. We bless God for Jewish people. And if you don't know this, Jewish people are really blessed because of this same promise that was given thousands of years ago. Uh, In in around uh, around 1939, uh, the Jewish population in the world was about 16 uh, and a half million people. This is before uh, uh, the Holocaust. Okay, so the Holocaust took away six million people. In that horrific uh, tragedy uh, of of human depravity. And uh, to this day, the Jewish population hasn't recovered to what it was in 1939. So the Jewish population worldwide is about 15, maybe 15 and a half million people worldwide. Okay, the biggest Jewish population outside of Israel is in the United States, 5.7 million people. So I just want you to think about that. Of the 10 million Jews that are, uh, of the 15 million Jews that are worldwide, 5.7 million are in the United States. Now, just as a factoid of how God's promise doesn't wear off and his covenant doesn't wear off, the Jewish people make up three tenths of 1% of the world population. But they have about 35% of uh, uh, the most intellectual innovations that planet Earth has ever seen. They make up about 25% of all Nobel Peace Prizes. That, that tiny group of people worldwide. Do you know uh, uh, the state of Texas has more people than all the Jewish people that are on the earth that can trace their DNA back to Jacob? Okay? There's more people in Texas. Texas has about 25, 27 million people. There's only 15 million Jews. So that's probably DFW, <laughs> Austin, and Houston. Okay, by itself, we we already outranked uh, all of the Jewish people. Here's the thing. God's promise hasn't worn off. 
So you have Jewish people that don't even believe that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. They still have a blessing because God can't go back on his word. One more little fun fact. Um, Stan Lee is Jewish. And even though he never proclaimed Jesus as Lord, he spent his whole life giving people messiahs. I'm going to let that. All your Marvel heroes, all they do is redeem and save the earth. Even if they don't want him, it's in their DNA to want a savior. So we are a blessing to Jewish people. They are not a blessing to us. Hear me. There's a lot of people that think that by blessing Israel, they're doing them a favor. No, you're doing yourself a favor. <laughs> because remember what point one was, I will bless those who bless you. So when you bless people that, 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 that are Jewish, there's a blessing that comes to you. There's a Messianic Jewish congregation in Seattle, Washington called Restoration um, uh, that my good friend Matthew Rosenberg is uh, the pastor of. He's the, he's the rabbi there. And uh, uh, we financially support them. God laid it on our heart to support them as a church uh, once a month for the next 12 months. Do you know who's getting blessed by that? We are. Well, I'm sure the check we're cutting is being a blessing to them. But you know who's more blessed? We are. He said, I will bless those who bless you. (laughs) The blessings are already on you and your descendants. I'm blessing people that recognize that there's a blessing on you. So I want you to understand that this church believes in the Jew first and then the Gentile because salvation was to the Jew first and then the Gentile. I'm going to give you one more thing and I promise I'm going to shut up. Acts chapter number two, Pentecost. Right. And, and, and I'm a I'm a Pentecostal kid, so I can talk about us. OK. Right. I, I, I can't I can't tell you how many Holy Ghost songs I've heard. About the fire coming down and Acts chapter number two and send it on down, send it on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. Send it on down, send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost fall on. Okay, now that's great. That's all good. And we're all like, yay. And and Acts chapter number two, and that's when we got it. That's when we got it. No, it's not. That's when they got it. There were no Gentiles present. Yeah. In Acts chapter number two, her face, if you would have saw her face just now, she just got a revelation. She was not expecting. She was like, what? There were no Gentiles present in Acts chapter number two. Why? Salvation was to the Jew first and then the Gentile. When Peter preached his first sermon in Acts chapter number two, 3000 Jewish people got saved. There were no Gentiles present. The first Gentile to be filled with the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter number 10. It's over 10 years later. (laughs) So, 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 so can we just politely give back the promises to who they belong to? Here, Jewish people, we so sorry. We have literally hijacked your whole book and acted like he was talking to us when he was really talking to you. Please forgive us. But we are so happy. 
that we get to be connected to the promise because we believe in the same savior that was promised to the Jews. Listen, if y'all get these three points, if y'all get these three points, you will be prepared for the more that God has in store for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I just want you to take a moment to investigate and, and, and be sensitive enough to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you've heard today. And if you are already a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope that it's brought you even closer to your relationship with God. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've never even known that you were supposed to surrender your life to him as Savior and Lord, then I want to invite you today to make a decision to allow Jesus to come into your heart and take over your life. I know that sounds strong, but it's the best takeover you will ever have in your life. The only thing you need to do to make that happen is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If you believe that and you repent, which all repent means to do is to change your mind about the way that you've been living your life. If you change your mind about how you thought you should be living, you're repenting. And if you would do that, heaven is throwing a party for you right now. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for every single person that has drawn near to you, that has drawn closer to you, that has, make it, has made a decision for you. As you prepare us for more, I pray that you would do something supernatural in our hearts, our minds, and our souls that turns our world upside down with the message, love, and hope of Jesus Christ. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen? Amen. All right, y'all, get used to these voices because they're going to be here for a while, and I will see you next week.